Welcome to the We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley, and I'm here with my partner, Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yes, they do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can get it at our website. You can always write to us or check out wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced by the team of me, Steve Sarley, Dave Kranz, and our executive producer, Brad Nearman, who is down in Lando Lakes, Florida, at Berserk Productions. Hey, Brad, how you doing? On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Nathan Garrison, he's with a company called Shark Bands. Shark Bands? Hmm, wonder what that's all about. Can't wait to find out. I get to visit with Michael Neal. They call him the real deal. He has just won the last two major Major League Fishing tournaments in a row. He's on his way to more success and stardom than anybody has a right to imagine. This guy is the real deal, and he's a good guy, too. We'll be talking to Michael Neal, but first, let me hand it off to Dave Kranz. Dave Kranz going to hand it off to Dan Johnston. Love to hear what you guys have to say every week. Dave and Dan, take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. How are you? I am doing good. Uh, I, I'm in a retail environment. You work a lot of shows, and a lot of people ask both of us this question, and every tackle retailer across the country gets asked this question, uh, what line is the best? Uh, how often should I change it? Uh, you know, let's give them a little insight. We do this segment about once a year. We haven't done it in a while. So uh, let's talk a little bit about line. And as always, it's it's not necessarily the way everybody would do it, but but it's our opinion, right? Yeah, it drives everything we do. It's our only connection from us and the fish. And it's a big topic because there's a lot to it. So usually what we do is kind of hit the 10,000 foot up level. I mean, describe for the listener what we mean by a big topic. So you've got your, there's a, three major categories of lines and i'm talking about major you've got your braid braided or fused and those are polyethylenes and those have no stretch whatsoever they'll tie a lot of different knots braid ties about every knot fused doesn't fused won't hold an improved clinch you have to tie a palaver or any type of cinching knot then you've got your fluorocarbons fluorocarbon actually refracts light light goes through it it's got less stretch than mono, but more than braid. And you can tie not every knot with it at all. It's real important to wet knots with fluoro. Then you've got your mono, which is like the seven iron of lines. You can throw it on everything, for everything, um, to a degree. You don't want to throw it in heavy vegetation because it has a lot of stretch and it doesn't cut through vegetation like braid does. So we have to know when to use what. And that's kind of a 10,000 foot flyby. And then we can get more dialed from there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the floral needs to be wet, and all you have to do is, is just put the knot in your mouth or put it in the water and pull it slowly. And the reason for that is we don't want to burn the line, correct? Well, yeah, it, you can burn it, too, if you don't wet it. Fluorocarbon, the biggest mistake I see people make with it, they get in too big a hurry tying the knot, and they tie knots that have too many wraps around the main line. That's why a Palomar knot is beautiful for fluoro. The key to it, though, is set it 
set it down loose before you lock it and then wet it. Um, if you don't do that, there's some lines that you can pop it. People blame it on the line being weak. A lot of times it's the way they set the knot. Yeah, yeah. Another one that I like to use that's a real old school knot, and I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, it's a Jack Crawford figure eight, and it works on floral really nice. And if people uh, uh, do a little research on that, but it, it's basically a figure eight, so it, it doesn't have any cutting edges against itself. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a knot I used back in the 60s, so now I'm dating myself, but, uh, but uh, that, that's a good one too. But okay, so we're you talked about the three main types of line. As you said, it's a really big topic. When are most people going to use monofilament? You know, I think to take it even higher level than that, a great way to answer a question of when would you use lines, you asked about mono specifically, but is think about what you need the bait to do. Okay, I use mono a lot of times. Believe it or not, with a Carolina rig, I use it because I don't want the fluorocarbon because the fluorocarbon sinks the bait all the way to the bottom. And the mono floats a little bit more than fluoro. So a lot of that's getting pretty weedy. Most people would think you'd want fluoro on a Carolina rig because it's clear and it has a little stretch. But I run uh, uh, mono a lot of times from my swivel to my bait. I'll also throw mono with a lot of crankbaits and still to this day a lot of topwaters if I'm not using braid to mono. I'll never use fluorocarbon ever with topwater, whether it's straight tied to the bait or on a braided leader. Um, so that's a little bit of a, uh, a long winded answer, but the fluorocarbons I use more than any other line. I use it with a bass jig exclusively direct tied. I use it with a, a jerk bait a hundred percent of the time. Um, use it with a lot of crankbaits, especially if it's a crankbait that I'm deflecting that I want to feel with when they're biting it on slack, uh, and so forth. And then the braid I'm using anytime I want to cut through vegetation or anytime I'm getting bit way out. Like if I'm throwing a frog, if I'm throwing a braid 100% of the time, punching's always with braid anytime I'm in heavy vegetation. Yeah, that braid is uh, something that, um, you know, it's been out for quite a while, but when it came out, a lot of people um, weren't sure about it. But boy, I, I don't think the fishing industry can do without it, can we? You can't be successful without it in that scenario. You throw a a frog as far as you can and something blows up on it back in where we're throwing that thing any other line but braid i'm not gonna gamble but i'd say it's less than 50 percent you're getting him out i don't even think it's i bet it's less than 30 percent you're getting him out because number one you got to win that first two seconds and get their head turned the bottle and floral stretches too much and secondly mono just wraps around lily pads braid will cut it and that that's the that's the reason why we throw it 100 percent yeah, and, and for people that, uh, that use braid, they'll they'll recognize this. But a lot of times you'll be you'll be fishing uh, braid at whatever you're doing, if frogging, and as it's coming through, it, it it almost feels like as it cuts the pads or cuts weeds, it's almost like you feel like you lost a fish for a fraction of a second, and it's boom, 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 and it's it's cutting the weeds as it goes. And for those of you that haven't experienced that, don't just keep reeling because you didn't lose them. They just it just it's slowing down your speed getting back because it's it's cutting that those those vegetations have you had that experience absolutely and yeah. they do feel like they're off and they're not and they would be off with mono <laughs> they would be. I, I would say one other thing too people would probably listen to this episode and say well if, if dan is saying that braid is the godsend then why not throw it on everything so when would you not want it well it's the worst line in my opinion on the planet with a crankbait if the rod is too stiff You'll lose them all day. You'll feel the bait better than you've ever felt it before. 
but they're going to hit it. It's going to be too shocky. They're going to short strike it and they're going to get off or they're going to jump and throw it because there's no give to it at all. Um, and we should also mention it's super popular now for people to put floral or mono on a on braid as a leader. And I have some spinning rods. That leader goes all the way down to the spinning or the spinning reel bail. So in other words, it's the length of the rod plus times two if I'm fishing clear water for bass, especially. And then there's sometimes that leader's only a foot and a half long for top water because I don't want the knot going through my guides. Yep. Okay, so it depends on what we're doing with these lines, but it's really important to be successful consistently. Absolutely. Now, I, I like that about the uh, crankbaits. Uh, the one exception that I do like to use, is I use it on a rattle trap. I use straight braid and I use a glass rod. Uh, and I, I think it, the combination is is pretty awesome. You're never setting the hook. You're letting them load the rod and you just kind of keep reeling. And it's worked out really well for me. But you have to use the tool, tool properly. Well, that's what we're saying. If the rod's too stiff, it's the worst case perfect storm fiberglass deflects more and it absorbs it stretch it it makes up for the no stretch in the line and that's why braid with glass is a beautiful thing and you can throw uh, a lot of bass topwaters on a glass rod especially linear s glass with braided line and they just don't get off the key is to not set the hook like a like a jig hook you're more it's kind of a real sweep a little bit more of like a carolina rig set Absolutely. And St. Craig came out with a glass spinning rod a couple of years ago, the uh, Legend Tournament glass, and throwing the smaller type of lures, uh, uh, pop bars and things like that. Uh, it, it was perfect for that. And it, and, it, and I do throw that I, with braid. And you do not set the hook. You just let them engulf it and you just start reeling and you kind of, uh, you know, just lean into it a little bit. And I lose very, very few fish, but you got to be disciplined with it. Yeah, you know that rod we designed uh, for in part to throw like a a size five shad wrap with a spinning rod and have it not tumble, which is not easy to do. No, and you can't cast that bait with with a bait caster because the bait's too light. But most people throw it on a spinning rod. They do what they don't understand is the rod's too stiff and the bait tumbles. Where that glass will, will throw it more like a catapult, and we proved it. I did for a year working on that rod in terms of the testing phase because I did a lot of uh, social media on that rod I'm throwing that bait with. I want to make sure it didn't tumble before I went and told everybody it didn't. Absolutely. Okay, a couple minutes left here, Rod. When is a must use for floral? Anytime you want fish to not see your line, anytime you're in high pressured situations like my three eight ounce bass, bass jig, which is my go-to bait, like down at the Lake of the Ozarks or on my home lake back in Iowa, I'm 100% fluorocarbon, usually around 15 pounds. I'm trying to get bites, but I can feel it. I can see it. It sinks. It stays. And this is the biggest point people need to understand. Fluorocarbon stays what, what, what I call connected better than mono. You feel more with it on slack line when they bite it. And that's hard to explain till you see it happen. And it stays connected. It's a stiffer connection. Um, and that's the reason why I use it because braid has a different fall rate. And I think sometimes I take it away from them. Yeah, I, I think so. Cause you can feel too good with it where I, I think, um, I would describe that floral bite as almost kind of spongy, but you know, it's a bass. Yeah, it's, it's, I would, you, you still feel them 
shock it pretty good, but the fall rate, you pitch a jig with mono, floral, and braid, and they fall different. They flat out fall different. And in my opinion, it falls on floral the way I like it. That's what I've been comfortable with. Anywhere between 15 and 20 pounds is the only, I never go heavier and never go lighter. Yay, there you go. We just gave the listeners some homework to go and throw throw a jig on all three different types of line and, and see uh, the differences of how they can feel it. And, uh, you know, try it in different depths, too. Try it in six feet, try it in 10, and try it in 20 and see what that feels like. And I think that that's a, a very good suggestion, uh, uh, Dan. And uh, thank you for being on the podcast, as always. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Steve Sarley is remote, and the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back after these messages. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. And I always like to say the guests I get to interview on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. Uh, my next guest certainly does, and it's something that the outdoors can use, and I think in some ways other industries too. Uh, he is Nathan Garrison. He is co-founder of SharkBands.com. Welcome to the uh, podcast, Nathan. Thanks for having me on, Dave. It's a pleasure to get to chat with you guys today. Excellent. I uh, first saw your program, a retailer in Northern Illinois also, and I saw your product at the ICAST in the new product showcase. And uh, it won Best Terminal Tackle uh, 2021, and I thought it was a pretty neat idea. Give us a little uh, uh, background on you and your the co other co-founder, how you guys came up with this, and, um, and uh, how, how is it working so far? Yeah, sure thing. Happy to dive into it. First, yeah, winning that honor at ICAST was just amazing for us. It was our like launch into the fishing industry after being in the ocean sports industry for the last eight years. Uh, we actually came out with our original Shark Bands product, which is a wearable device. It's, it's kind of like the size of a, a wristwatch, and you wear that on your wrist or your ankle, and it emits an electromagnetic field, which disrupts the shark's electroreceptors in a way that's highly unpleasant for it. And we took that technology and adapted it 
into this fishing device called the Zeppelin, which is what you saw at ICAST, and that's designed primarily for bottom fishing, but now we're discovering that it can be used in a variety of applications from wade fishing to pelagics and and even more than that. So, uh, yeah, happy to talk through the different uses and make sure that fishermen around the country who are having shark issues know that there's a way to help reduce that problem and protect their catch. Yeah, and, and because when we're fishing, and especially surf fishing or wade fishing, uh, a lot of times you're using uh, a cut bait or and you're sending out smells to try to attract the fish. That also attracts the sharks. And then as you're moving around, they can sense you. And this is a product that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, there's so many guys like you that were just describing a problem like that. And, you know, we were we were working on the wearables and spreading the word on that product. And we started getting emails in maybe 2016 from fishermen saying we're having so many shark problems. Can you please figure out a way to put this into a device for fishing? And, um, you know, we were a bit conservative and focused on what we needed to do with the wearable, but then we ran some testing in the Bahamas on a trolling rig with a Wahoo and dragged that, fish through some shark infested areas and we had an underwater camera filming and we saw these sharks coming up and just pinging off this thing one after the other and after about 12 minutes we still didn't have a shark hit it and then when we stopped the boat finally the shark came in and took it um but we said okay we're really on to something here let's uh let's get to work and, and start building this yeah, it's a safety issue and it's uh, something nice that while you're trying to recreate and relax and enjoy your uh, your passion of the outdoors, you don't have to worry about getting, uh, uh, you know, bitten by a shark or, or wounded, injured, or even killed. You know, what's your experience either fishing or experiencing sharks in the ocean when you've taken trips down to Florida or, or the Gulf or wherever else? Uh, my, my best... Uh, <laughs> Uh, memory of, of sharks were when I was fishing tarpon in uh, the Keys and uh, we didn't get them all back to the boat because there was a lot of sharks that day and uh, a lot of them got eaten. Yeah, that's a big complaint we're hearing from the tarpon fishermen as well. We haven't addressed that specific use yet, although it's definitely not off the table in terms of using what we call the deployment method to try to address fishing for tarpon and the sharks coming to take that fish before you can get it to the boat yeah and we, um, go ahead. We, we've i've had other experience where we uh, uh down in cabo san lucas mexico where you know if you catch a shark it's it's uh it's not a bad thing i mean that uh, some you're fishing for a fish and you land them and you let them go and um and you know or boat them and let them go get them to the side but uh but no, not as many issues there as as uh florida for for me but the uh but uh, i haven't had a ton of experience with them but uh definitely definitely i i do remember that experience uh down in the uh, in the keys with the tarpon yeah it's amazing to see the animals but we don't like them when they're uh, coming after our catch that's for sure uh, most of our testing has taken place in florida and australia and we really tested the first prototypes of the device in Western Australia because we had some help from the government and a, an interesting body that they have there that's sort of similar to ASA, but a bit different in that they actually provide a pretty significant amount of funding through the government and actual uh, like con constructive work towards the goals of the recreational fishers in Western Australia. So we went over there, had support from this organization, 
and tested the first prototypes back in 2019. And that showed great promise. It allowed us to hone in on the device that we wanted to create and what we were going to do to optimize that for bottom fishing. And then the Australian government actually ran a whole year-long study on the device, the Zeppelin, and showed a seven around a 70% reduction in shark bite off when using the device versus not using it. So we had a really now we have a really strong scientific basis for the effectiveness of the product. And they filmed every drop they did too. So there's all kinds of footage that you can check out on the website of these sharks coming up and almost taking the fish and then boom, they turn away and it keeps happening over and over again on all sorts of different trophy species. So yeah, that's, cool to see that. that's good. That's a good number, uh, you know, for an initial study like that and uh, 70%. I, I, we'll have to give this again at the end too, but sharkbands.com is the site that they should go to. That's correct. Yeah. You can go on there and see all the rigging videos, all the different testing videos where we've, filmed sharks uh in australia and a ton in florida as well uh one of the main guys in florida that was really helping us out with this was captain pat price who as everybody in the fishing community knows passed away from covid this year or in 2021 and was a huge loss tremendous loss to everybody that knew him um and he really helped pioneer a lot of the techniques that are being used now uh both mainly in this deployment method that that he figured out so in grouper season obviously the sharks love the groupers and getting you know it's hard enough just to get one out off of the reef when he's trying to get rocked up and then you've got this whole water column to get him up from the boat and they fight so hard um they were losing Pat was saying he was losing eight out of ten groupers he was catching and it wasn't even sustainable for the fishery to continue uh, to, to do that and then he started using this deployment method with the zeppelin which is basically you you get a second leader and you have a carabiner on the end of it and the key the key thing with this device is that you want it to sit 18 to 36 inches below the tail of the fish when you're reeling it up so what pat figured out he could do was once he's hooked up on the grouper on the bottom immediately you take this carabiner with this second leader you clip it on to your main line and it deploys down super fast to the bottom swings down below the fish and then when you're reeling it up it's there in place so that the sharks aren't able to take it before it reaches the boat and he was having 80 to 90 percent success landing groupers after using that versus losing eight out of every 10 when he wasn't that's a big difference and uh definitely uh uh and all like you said it's also better for the resource that you're you're not just losing them to to the sharks and uh no that that's uh pretty pretty amazing how about uh for surf guys that are casting there been uh, very many applications on that like striper fishermen or any of that or probably not if it was done in florida with the surf casting we're actually working on like a little sputnik type accessory that could go with the zeppelin that's in like its early stages but it's pretty simplistic so uh i know it's possible to integrate the zeppelin with a sputnik sinker so we're we're working through the details on that now but that's a uh, that'll be upcoming in the next year or two but for now we're trying to stick with the deployment method and the inline methods for bottom fishing and for some pelagic fish too excellent and like what you mentioned was the the conservation of the fishery too right which is what what we're seeing is that we're, there's a lot of interest from um like fwc noaa and some of the 
the research universities in Florida for trying to come up with a way to reduce the shark depredation issue because it's not sustainable for the fishery, right? So we've just got a proposal in with some of the leading shark biologists in the country through FAU, Florida Atlantic University, and Mississippi State University that we've been collaborating with for about a year now to work on getting a grant through NOAA for funding to do a full-scale study with the participation of hundreds, if not thousands, of fishermen in getting these devices in their hands, similar to what Sequelizer did in the, the barotrauma device that they came out with to help those snapper grouper species get back down safe to the bottom, making sure that those devices got into as many fishermen's hands as possible so that they would have the opportunity to trial them and use them and provide feedback. And it's the same thing that we want. One thing I really want to say to anybody listening to this podcast who's having shark issues, feel free to write into us. I mean, we're happy to work with you. And, and if you're a commercial fisherman or you're a, a captain, you're a charter captain, we'd love to get these devices in your hands and get your feedback, get you believing in them so that you feel confident that you can use them to reduce your shark depredation issue. If you have any feedback, problems, complaints, like we are all ears for that. This is really about making sure that you guys land more fish and that we keep more fish in the ocean that we're not losing to sharks. And I think we all want that. And I uh, definitely uh, think that's awesome. And uh, sharkbands.com is how you can get more information about this and watch some of those uh, the uh, interesting videos of, of how it was tested and how it's used. Uh, Nathan Garrison, I thank you for being on the podcast. And I'll be uh, interested to watch and see what else uh, and the developments you uh, make going forward, because I, I think this is a great product. Thanks a ton, Dave. Yeah, lots going on with it. Super excited about where it can be heading in the future. So, um, yeah, thanks again for having me on. And again, yeah, feel free to reach out to me and um, happy, happy to have a conversation with anybody anytime about sharks. Excellent. That was Nathan Garrison, sharkbands.com. I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. He is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting them at asafishing.org. Talk about the future of fishing. We've got the future of fishing on with us today. This is the hottest stick in the world of professional bass fishing. Uh, this guy's gaining fans by the day. People are following him like you wouldn't believe. He's making a heck of an impact on the sport. Just come off of a huge, huge win. Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit uh, on Lake Sam Raybird in Texas. It's his second victory in a row. Please welcome Mr. Michael Neal. Hey, Michael, how are you? Hey, Steve. I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm still down here in Texas enjoying it being at least a little bit warmer for now than, than it is for most of the country. Yeah, for sure. I know I know they're all calling you Michael Neal, the real deal, and, and, and I hate to be repetitive, but uh, that fits you so well. You are the real deal, both in fishing and personality. Uh, what you see is what you get. Michael Neal is just a good guy who goes out there and fishes with the best of them. Oh, yeah, I try and, uh, try and just stay level-headed, try and stay cool, calm, and collected all the time, and just be me. Um, I don't want to try and be somebody I'm not, so I just want to go out there and, and have uh, have fun fishing and just continue doing this thing we all love. Yeah, I, I, and uh, nobody loves it more than you, not after winning two tournaments uh, in a row. Uh, it took a little break for the for the winner, but uh, you're, you're back, and in the first tournament of the year, you cash a $100,000 check. You did that again uh up north in the fall so you're covering all kind of water uh different species of bass nothing is stopping you and uh i don't know if you have seen this but i just saw this morning on uh, bass fan which is regarded as the uh the bible in ranking of fishermen and professional bass fishing uh you have moved up to number three number three bass fisherman in the world by bass fan were you aware of that no, I haven't seen it yet. I usually get on there and check it uh, maybe once a month or something and uh, see if it's been updated. But, you know, I, I really don't still consider myself that. I just uh, I just enjoy fishing, enjoy tournament fishing and more specifically. And like you said, I mean, I've kind of gotten more versatile. I've gotten more comfortable in doing different things as far as being up north with smallmouth. And then coming down here to Texas, Texas has kind of always been a thorn in my side. Never really figured it out. But... This week everything uh, went pretty well. Hey, you, know, you said uh, getting comfortable. Let's let's go the other way. Is there anything on this whole professional bass fishing tour deal that you are still uncomfortable with? Uh, no. I mean, I I, I would be lying if I said I, I love the travel. I, I'm kind of <laughs> that's the worst part of it. I had a funny uh, feeling that was going to be the answer. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, that's that's really about it. Hey, actually, home wise, I don't know how much time you get at home. We'll talk about your schedule. Uh, you're, you're from uh, Eastern Tennessee, and uh, that's actually probably one of the better locations to be in for travel because it takes off some hours uh, for those uh, those uh, New York and and Michigan and northern destinations, and it makes the southern one just a, a, a just a little bit farther away. So I, I think yeah, I, I think where you live I think where you live is is a good thing. 
Yeah, and there's been a lot of guys moved to Tennessee, Alabama, from other places just for that reason. I mean, I'd be on I-75 headed north or south in 25 minutes from my house, or I could be on Interstate 40 headed west in 45 minutes. So uh, it's pretty a pretty centralized hub right in there. Yeah, yeah, you are you are definitely in 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 a, in a hotbed. Uh, okay, is it amazing? Did you ever think? I'm looking. I'm gonna go back on the bass fan thing. Uh, two of the top three professional bass fishermen in the world are both are both from the state of Tennessee and, and only one of them is a true Tennessee native and that's you right yes that's right yeah, yeah that other, Wheeler's from uh, Indiana and moved to yeah he's, he snuck over he snuck over the border uh, you, you won a couple more tournaments you may just be sending him back <laughs> I don't know about that I mean we're we're glad to have him in Tennessee. He's a great guy and a heck of a fisherman, for sure. Yeah, he, he, he's a good guy. We like him, too. You talk about having having a, a little hang-up with Texas. Uh, you know, I don't know why, but I, I do know that, that fish don't look at maps and they don't see borderlines. And it strikes me as funny that we talk about Florida fish and we talk about Texas fish. What is it that makes Texas fishing different than anywhere else? Uh, it's, I mean, like Florida is a, a totally different beast of its own, but it's, uh, it's full of vegetation and it, it does, they don't have very harsh winters. So the fish don't transition from shallow to deep and back and forth near as much as they do in, in most parts of the country. And Texas is kind of similar, but a lot of it doesn't have near the vegetation that Florida does. So they still make these transitions and a lot of the lakes in, in uh, Texas have timber in them and that's something that i never really have understood um i know that the fish relate to it that's pretty much where they make their home but i never did figure out how to find the fish in relation to the timber and different times of the year that's interesting that that is that is interesting uh otherwise and and that, that is true that uh uh, florida water is so is so green and uh and full of uh, full of vegetation uh i i realize that stands alone by itself but depth wise too are you, you're finding uh, uh uh deeper fish in texas yeah that's how i started out this tournament uh i caught them in 20 to 25 feet and it's we they started warming up the water temperatures warmed up a little bit this week and uh, the fish started moving up especially the bigger fish started to move up some of the smaller ones still remained out deep but it's just it's springtime i mean it's right here at the first of february now but in Texas, that's first of March or middle of March for a lot of other places because the fish are starting to starting to make their migration towards the bank a little bit more, uh, even though it's several months early for a lot of places. All right, so you started out fishing 20, 25 foot of water in pre-fishing, and how many days of pre-fishing did you have? We had two, two days of practice. Okay, when did you start seeing the fish moving up? Uh, the second day of the tournament. So the first day I had a good day. I had two big ones uh, with 18 pounds total. And then at the second day at 2 o'clock, I finally caught my fifth fish for a limit. They didn't weigh but nine pounds. I knew I had to go change up and, and do something else. And that's when I started looking up shallower, throwing a jerk bait, and got a few bigger bites to get me on a little bit different pattern. That's it. That's interesting. And I think you're, you're pretty much hitting on the fact that uh, uh, conditions change uh whether whether they change overnight or, or they change over the course of a week conditions change the water changes and it changes the fish and, and the, the people listening to the show the people that love going out picking up a rod and, and, and chasing bass on the weekend 
I think, get really locked into the fact that if they're fishing on Saturday and they spot some fish or, or, they, or they get a couple to eat, they're going to be in the same place on Sunday. And that's not true. They can change and they can change and move a lot quicker than the average angler recognizes. I, be, I believe that. Do you believe that as well? Absolutely. I mean, it can change hour by hour. Um, I mean, there's that's something that I really struggled with early on in my career. If I had a pattern going that I could get bites or a place I could go catch fish, that's where I would go and I wouldn't deviate from that. I would stay there, do or die kind of situation. And I mean, even this week, that really showed up again on the final day. The place I went and started, I had four good bites. Or I had five. I lost one. Uh, but they weighed 16 pounds for those four, one of them being an eight-pounder. And I, I finally left because I, I quit getting any bites, quit seeing any fish on my sonar. And I fished it two more times that day and never saw another fish there. Oh. And just They were there for an hour and a half, two hours, and then they were gone for the rest of the day. Hmm. That that is uh, that is uh, telling you definitely proof that this is a thinking man sport. Uh, there, there's so much to it. There's the physicality of it. Uh, there's the uh, uh, ability to change. But there's so much in the thought process of doing this. It's absolutely amazing uh, how how you handle this and how you were able to change. Uh, change to uh, react to what the fish were doing and read that talking about uh, uh looking at these fish uh i would imagine your sonar played a big part in this victory it did for sure yeah i mean the the forward facing sonar it played a big part in my uh my win up at st Clair, and then another big part here i mean if nothing else it gives you the confidence that to know the fish are there or it gives you the confidence to know that the fish are not there you better go find another spot uh, and and who are you using I'm using uh, the Lawrence Active Target for the forward-facing sonar. Excellent, excellent. That's very, very good. Uh, people don't people don't uh, realize how important that is, but I think they're uh, they're coming to learn. Hey, I want to ask you: you're you're fishing this tournament. You're you're in you're in the major league fishing family, and you're fishing. This is a uh, tackle warehouse series tournament, and that is unlike the Bass Pro Tour, which is all the legal fish you can catch count. You're in the traditional five biggest fish are what gets weighed in and what goes for the gold in the rules of this tournament. You're going for the five biggest ones, correct? Correct. All right. If you were all of a sudden on the last day, they said, we're changing this up. Every legal fish counts. Go get them. What do you do different? I probably honestly would have done the same thing. And that's uh, a lot of people from the outside looking in think that everybody's going to fish differently, whether it's a Bass Pro Tour format or a five fish format. And for me, that couldn't be more wrong um, huh. for the vast majority of the time. Anyways, that's just that's the mentality I've always had is to go get as many bikes as I can go get in the day and weed through them. Um, and the big ones will just show up randomly here and there. I've never been the guy to go pick up a flipping stick and look for five big bites in a day and not, not hope to get any more. So, I mean, my practices are the same and, and my tournament situations are the same. Excellent. Very, very good. Uh, so you, you, you feel that you would be okay fishing under either uh, banner? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. That, that, I mean, that's, I'm fishing both trails. So, I mean, I go from like this past week, I was fishing for five and then starting Saturday, I'll be fishing for as many as you can catch. 
That is absolutely unbelievable. Now, people talk about that forward-facing sonar being so accurate and reading so well uh, that they're actually picking out fish uh, size-wise. Do, do you do you find that to be that accurate? I think there there's some truth to that to some extent, but I'm not that dialed in with mine. Um, for instance, that eight-pounder that I caught, I, I saw it bite, and there was a group of four fish, four or five fish chasing it, and to me, they all look to be the same size. Now, that could have been saying that, that you know, there was four or five eight-pounders chasing it, or I, I'm not sure. I'm not that uh, – I can differentiate between, like, a bass and a crappie or, or a bass and a catfish or something like that, typically, but as far as going out and, and dialing in a specific size for each fish – I'm not that honed in yet. Okay, excellent, excellent. And uh, I honestly don't understand how somebody could be. Let's take a real quick break. Uh, this is uh, We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. We're here with uh, Michael Neal, the hottest stick in the world of professional bass fishing. Two major tournaments in four months, and the only reason it's two in four months is because there weren't any in between the two. Uh, who knows how many he would have won if he would have uh, kept fishing throughout the winter. But he's back, and uh, he's starting strong. And we're going to get to ask him some more questions on uh, We Fish ASA with Steve Sarley and Michael Neal as soon as we come back right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth, St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. They call our guest the real deal. Not going to argue with that. He's a winner, truly a winner in all sense of the word. Uh, he won a huge tournament up north to close out last season. This season, he starts out with another big $100,000 win. He is the angler of the year as well. He is the one and only Michael Neal. Hey, Michael, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, what, what's anything changed with you personally? Are you are you, are you, are you still engaged? 
Yeah, we I got engaged uh, at the end of December, and uh, we're planning on getting married May 29th. Excellent. Congratulations. I hope that all goes real well for you. That goes real, yeah, thank real. Thank you. It's, uh, it's been good. Excellent. Uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, if uh, fiance uh, Sarah uh, probably is going to be happy when finds out you, she's got you, uh, you got uh, you have the two of you registered for gifts at the Bass Pro or wherever. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, she's a she's a very special woman, no doubt. Uh, I mean, I'm on a three week swing away from home right now, and finding somebody that uh, that can handle that and support you through that that's a pretty big deal. And does she travel with you at all? She does in the summertime. She's a teacher. Okay. And uh, so if she's got a break, she'll come travel. I think that is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And, and all, all is good with the COVID restrictions and all that. I know that uh, uh, professional fishing has figured it out as well as they can. Uh, school teaching is another situation right there. Both of you are facing tough times. Yeah, she's uh, she's having to deal with quite a bit of different things. I mean, a lot of sickness, a lot of, uh, a lot of troubles, but... She's a she's a very hardworking, determined person, and makes the best of it. Oh, that's excellent! Good luck to you, and I hope the wedding comes off without a hitch. Everything is great. Hey, you mentioned before, and I didn't mean to blow past it, but but you said you got a big fish uh, in this last tournament, and I believe it was eight point uh, eight pounds nine ounces. Uh, that is absolutely incredible. How how surprised were you to see that fish, and how much bigger was that than the next biggest fish you saw? I was very shocked at that. I mean, uh, this lake is absolutely full of big ones, but we hadn't seen any this week, and I was really surprised at the at the size of the stringers we had. They're just in one 20-pound bag, but when I caught that fish, I knew I had a legitimate shot to win. I just needed to, to fill out a solid limit, and my next biggest fish was just like a five-and-a-quarter, five-and-a-half. So, I mean, there was a, a pretty big difference between the two. And you know what? A lot of the people that are listening would would you know trade a, 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 a trade their little finger at least to get that second biggest fish you got. That's pretty darn amazing. Yeah, it was a it was a good time, no doubt. There was a lot of big fish showed up this week, but we really didn't tap this lake's true potential either. So the next uh, few weeks on this pond would be a, a really great time to be here. Excellent. Yeah, it's just the story of my life, you know, wrong day at the wrong time, but uh didn't didn't quite work out that way for you. Uh you took it you took advantage of it. Let's talk about uh what, what you what it took to get these fish to bite your offerings. What what were you you first of all, what are you rigged up with Rod's Reels line? Uh the first few days I was throwing a drop shot, um, throwing it on a seven foot six rod. I like a longer rod when I'm fishing offshore and I'm not having to deal with uh, things around the bank and just throwing a, a six inch morning dawn colored worm on it that's uh i mean a pretty tried and true staple for that and then as it went on i started throwing a, a scroll mix stick jerk bait and uh a couple others just depending on the depth some of the fish i was catching were shallow as five feet and some of them were as far out as 12 or 14 so i'd have a couple different jerk baits on with different bills and one of them actually waited to uh, help it get down there a little bit better, but okay. uh, both of them were on 10 pound sunline, and that's something that when you've got big fish, you're dealing with big fish. You've got to you got to be confident in your line, and your line is the one thing that is the the single connection between you and every single fish. That's true. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, what what size worm were you using on that drop shot rig? Uh, six inch. Six six inch, six inch on that drop shot rig. And and what what kind of hook? Uh, it's a Gamagatsu uh, one knot 
uh, straight shank worm hook. I, I like to Texas rig it on a drop shot just to keep it weedless. I can throw it in and around brush piles and, and not have to worry about getting hung up. All right. How far up from your drop shot weight do you put that hook? I would say it averages 10 to 12 inches. I'm not real particular with it. Um, so if I'm around a lot of grass or something that I want to keep it higher up off the bottom, I'll make it longer. But on average, I'd say I get it somewhere in that 10, 12 inch range. Okay. Do you ever find the need to change the distance? So you put that hook lower to the bottom or higher up in the water column and you change it from 10, 12 inch? The only time I really do is if I'm, uh, if I'm fishing around a lot of vegetation where I'm trying to keep my worm above that. Now, if the grass is two foot off the bottom, then I'll try and make my leader, you know, two or three feet long. Um, but other than that, I just like a, a plain, simple 10, 12 inch one. That makes a lot of sense. And I'll tell you what, I thank you because you just taught me something. I know I spent way too much time thinking about that and way too much time changing. Uh, what about color? Did you find uh, did, uh, did, I've heard I've heard guys say before that Texas fish are more particular to color than anywhere else. I don't believe that. What do you say? I don't think so. I think I mean, the largemouth bass is a largemouth bass, no matter what part of the country you go to. I mean, morning dawn is uh, really great color all around for fishing out deeper with a drop shot. And that's just what I stuck with on that. Excellent. Very, very good. Um you know, how'd you handle your winter? That time off had to be driving you crazy. You get, you get the angler of the year, you win a big check in the last tournament of the year. You, I'm sure you didn't want the season to stop, but you don't have any control over that. What, what did you do different this last winter than you've done any years before? I really didn't do anything different. Um, we started, I started getting into the farming world a little bit, and we were harvesting uh, soybeans and corn. And uh, that was really about my whole off season. I didn't hunt much. I didn't have a boat, so I didn't fish. I just kind of hung out around the house and took it easy for a little while. Excellent. Very good. Very good. They uh, wow D- didn't fish. I was gonna. I, I saw that. Uh, I was looking at your bio, and it said you enjoyed crappie fishing. Uh, and I've asked a couple of our guests recently what they would think about uh, special events because uh, they had that uh, that uh, tournament down in Texas with the. Uh, uh, redfish uh, that o- they opened up that redfish tournament and invited some of the some of the uh, bassmaster guys to participate in that, and, and that proves you can catch more than one kind of fish. I-, I-, I would like to see something happen where they did a uh, a tournament where say you fish bass in the morning and crappie in the afternoon, or crappie in the morning and catfish in the afternoon. What what would you think about that to show your versatility? That would be really fun with uh, with the crappie fishing. I mean, that's something that's just simple, kind of takes you back to your roots, and uh, I think that's what I enjoy so much about it. That would be a cool deal. That would be that would be fun. What, what would you think about uh, uh, if they did something like a draw tournament where you, 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 they partnered guys up? Uh, you know, you don't have that anymore. You don't have co-anglers. You don't have amateurs in the boat with you. What if they picked names and picked your name and – they had Jacob Wheeler or somebody said, okay, you guys are, are team one today. Get on out there. How would you think that would work out? I'd be pretty confident. I mean, it's, uh, all these guys I fish against are, are great fishermen, no doubt. And so several of them uh, grew up in the co-angler world, and that's how I got my start. So I would love to see some more team aspects of this. Uh, that's something that I definitely miss, being home and, and fishing team tournaments with family members, and that would bring a little bit of that back. Uh, how, about, how about Sarah? Does she fish? 
she does a little bit. Um, she enjoys crappie fishing. She's not. She just started getting into it when we started dating, so she's not an expert by any means. But she likes to likes to see that floater go under. Yeah, excellent. I keep talking about that too with, with these different formats. I'm always talking uh, talking to people and pushing different formats. And I said I would like to see a. Uh, uh, a mixed couples tournament, you know, a husband-wife tournament out there, that'd be pretty cool. So you got to get her in training for that, for when that happens, because obviously when they're looking for people, you're going to be right at the top of the list of people they want to invite. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she's very competitive. She was actually a basketball player in college, so I think we could get her into that. All right, that sounds good. So tell us, uh, other sponsors, what other sponsors do you have that are out there keeping you on the water? And uh, how's that all going for you? I would imagine that uh, your phone is pretty busy ringing with people saying, hey, we'd like to hook up with you, Michael Neal. Yeah, Phoenix Boats, uh, this was my first tournament I fished out of a Phoenix, and uh, it was a, a great ride. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Mercury's been a great sponsor. That's when they came out with that new four-stroke a few years ago. There's been no looking back from that for sure. And, uh, I mean, Big Bite Baits has been – I've been with them for several years now, Denali Rods. Uh, Spro and Sunline, and they've all been great sponsors. It's been a, a great journey, and I, I'm one of those guys that I want to stay where I'm at. I don't want to go try and bounce around. I'm going to try and be loyal to these companies and uh, continue to work forward with them. I agree. I agree. It makes you look so legitimate when you do that, and uh, uh, you, you're not uh, you're not scraping and taking every opportunity that comes along. You're you're using your your brains and and getting the good guys. Uh, uh, onto your jersey and uh you, you want to keep them there for as long as as is possible and i see that's what you're doing i think that's really really smart uh it, it, it's pretty wonderful who handles your business for you there's so much more than fishing and you've got the fishing knocked down real well and i can see that you've got the uh the business end tied up pretty good too are you handling all that stuff on your own yeah i do all, all my fishing stuff i do personally Oh, wow. And what about all the social media and stuff like that? Because the, the demands for that are incredible. Yeah, I do I do most of it. Um, Sarah helps me some, and then I've got another guy back home that helps me with it as well. I mean, it's just I try and do as much as I can myself, but when you got long nights and long weeks like I had this past week, i got to have a little bit of help with it. All right, so you, you got a uh, you got a Bass Pro Tour coming up this, uh, this coming week. We know that. You mentioned that earlier. But you got something else coming up real soon at uh, Grand Lake of the Cherokees in Oklahoma. It's the Red Crest. It'll be the biggest Red Crest they've had yet. What do you think about that, Michael Neal? It's going to be a big deal. Uh, they got a big expo set up and got a lot of vendors there uh, from the outdoor industry. Should be a good time. Uh, fishing should be pretty good that time of year. Anywhere in March, you got a good chance at seeing some really big fish. So I it, think. Uh, I think we'll have a great tournament, and hopefully have a great turnout. Is Oklahoma good for you? Have you been to Grand Lake? What's it like for you? I've just been there once, and it was one of the worst finishes of my whole career. So uh, I'll be looking for a little bit of redemption up there, but totally different time of year. We'll be all strict, strictly post or pre-spawn, and uh, hopefully I can take some of the techniques I used here and go back up there and do the same thing. I, I think you're going to do great, man. You're on a roll. Good, good luck in that uh, Bass Pro Tour uh, this week coming up. Good luck at the Red Crest. Uh, we'd love to have you on every time you're uh, in the winner's circle holding up that big check and that big trophy, and I think that's going to be an awful lot. You haven't been doing this all that long. you got a million and a half in career winnings, three major wins already. 
Michael Neal, you are indeed the real deal. Thanks for being with us, and hopefully we will talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, you're quite welcome. Michael Neal, he is something else. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio, the internet, and in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Nathan Garrison, co-founder of Shark Band. Unbelievable. It's not a joke. It's not a scam. Be safe on those coastal waters. Keep those big bad fish with the big bad teeth away from you. Nathan Garrison, Shark Bands. And I got to visit with Michael Neal. Yeah, he is the real deal. That's why they call him that. He is a winner through and through, and he is going to be on his way to winning more real soon. Hopefully, we'll talk to Michael Neal about that in the near future. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcast from. Please don't forget to check us out at our website, wefishasa.com. You can always get the the, uh, podcast there as well. You can communicate to us through the website. Uh, If you like what you hear, please let us know. If you think there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we should have on the show, please let us know that too. We love to hear from you. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.